and he says to the he he knows that like they're not playing for enough yet. So he like wants to raise the stakes. So he says, "Hey, when can we press?" And the guy's like, "It's the first tee, Billy. Like you can't press here. <laughs> you know, you can press you can press when you're down. You know, once yeah. you're down, you can press." So Billy just 90 degree turns on the tee box, hits one into the water, looks at the guy and says, "Let's press it." Me and my buddy, we make it all of this money. Yeah, I know it's rude to be bragging. They never catching us lagging. Me and my buddy. All right, poker time. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, welcome back to Table One Podcast. Uh, this is Art Parman. I'm Justin Young. Hi, guys. Uh, we're back at it, and uh, I don't know. We just wanted to discuss a little uh, of the Billy Walters book that just came out. Eh, it's probably been out for like six months. I don't even know, but it took me about a month to read it, so I'm a slow reader. It's a pretty thick book. <laughs> and yeah. I, uh, I didn't read it. Well, I listened to it on the, uh, the audio, Audible, and... I gotta say, uh, his voice was not made for reading audiobooks, but I'm glad that he did it because, you know, just hearing it in his voice and that uh, that deep Kentucky drawl, it's like sometimes he says a word and he whistles it through his teeth <laughs> and you have to rewind it to figure out what he said, but it wouldn't be the same without it. Well, yeah, I, I'm sure you read part of the book, like actual hardback or whatever, but yeah, it, it was kind of nice, uh, like... Knowing the backstory, like you got to have the voice in your head, and like this is probably a little Kentuckian. I don't know if there's that's a word, but like I just envisioned like Lynn Ashby's voice the entire book, and like it worked pretty well. I thought I don't know, like yeah, that's almost better. Just having like uh, something to fall back on that's uh, that's already in commentary. You know, he. <laughs> uh, for those that haven't read it, I highly suggest it for what it's worth. Um, it's it's. It's a great story, period. Uh, What's the title again? It's The uh, Gambler. I think it's the just... The Gambler. Oh, The Gambler, A Life at Risk. That's oh, what it's wow, called. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, a little subtitle. There's a couple other The Gamblers out there, like uh, <laughs> stupid guys like Dostoevsky or something trying to <laughs> trying to write books. I guess I didn't read the whole book, because I don't remember that at all. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a fantastic story of a guy from a small town in Kentucky, uh, which actually my in-laws grew up pretty close to there. Not that that uh, matters to anybody. Uh, and then just like... Had a gambling problem and just kind of was smart enough to figure it out and was able to be successful in life. I mean, that's that's the one sentence uh, synopsis. But like, either way, people should go buy it. Honestly, it's a good read. It it is good. Uh, it's it's crazy. I found myself more drawn to his backstory when he was when he was a kid. Just like hearing all of like the stuff he had to go through leading up to before he be, before he eventually became a successful gambler. Because man, he was a Degenerate. He like, uh, I guess, just brief. I don't know if we're doing like a book report here, but <laughs> brief, uh, brief overview of the early chapters is he he moves in with his grandmother because his mom has three kids but no plan, so she puts like one kid at like three different relatives' house. I mean, kind of like the nightmare to grow up, right? You're like an orphan by accident. <laughs> Your mom's just like, well, I'm not putting you in foster care, but. You're with Grandma, you're with Uncle Tony, and you're with uh, Jimmy down the street. <laughs> I think he, he landed on a good one with his grandma, though, because he, he's, he's always talking about how, yeah. how she, like, made him good or whatever, like, made, made him, uh, made she him was, man. like, super oh, Christian, like, yeah. ma made him disciplined. Like, honors, like, he, she instilled, like, honor and, like, integrity into him, which I, it's, it's I wouldn't say it's rare, because it's, it's not, but, like, it's a nice combination when you have a, a pure gambler at heart, but also has a good moral code and like a good like center where they're never gonna cheat anybody, they're never gonna fuck anybody over. 
they just want to gamble for gambling's sake and like just want the match to be semi-fair, you know. Yeah, I don't know if he would never fuck anybody over. It seems like he <laughs> fucked a lot of people over that fucked him over first. Well, <laughs> at least okay. according to, to him. Yeah, that's true. I mean, this is coming from uh, the protagonist in the story. So there, yeah. there's a chance. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that have uh, some anti-Billy Walter stories. And sure. Just, just like I'm sure there's people out there that have anti-Justin Young stories. Not that I can imagine. But anyway. No, like no it's. Uh, <laughs> I liked when I, when I opened it up and first read the, the prologue and the, the beginning part where he... Where he basically said, "Listen, guys, I'm gonna unload the cannon on on my on my enemies here." He does. He has like a Muhammad Ali quote at the beginning where he's talking about like uh, like if you come after me, you better hide your dog or something like that. Like, <laughs> I, that, yeah. I mean, the man is he's ready to to fight for for himself and like his family and basically his personal moral code. It was kind of interesting to me because he is a degenerate gambler, but you see at least in the beginning of the book. And just as a short aside, I know is he is sober now, but we are not. So cheers. We haven't. Uh... <laughs> Never say die, Pat Madden. Thank you. Red Solo Cup. Thank you. Yeah. Also. <laughs> <laughs> Direct all business inquiries. Red Solo Cup to at Table One Vegas. <laughs> yeah, but he. Uh, the thing I was gonna say is he. I've read a lot of like business autobiographies and like business backstories and all those guys have like this childhood entrepreneurship uh, like thing inside of them. And like at the beginning when he's like nine years old, he, he gets a paper route, you know, he's like loading all the papers onto his like, I don't know if he had a trailer or he has like onto his handlebars, I can't remember, but he's just like piles all these and you know rural Kentucky these houses are far apart that are getting getting the paper you know so he's he's got that entrepreneurial work ethic I think he also had a, a story in there about when he was uh, when his grandmother died when he was in eighth grade because she had raised him until that point he eventually uh, he eventually moved back in with his mom up in Louisville but he had uh, found a job that he could do because he loved gambling you know it, in the beginning he becomes a pool hustler at like nine years old uh, starts, I mean, standing on like literal boxes to hustle people out of their money at nine years old. And, and the, the best part of, in that beginning part of the story was uh, when he talks about, sure, his work ethic is great, but he would just push people to their breaking, their bankroll breaking point as a nine-year-old. He was, <laughs> he was like, hey, listen, let's play, uh, let's play for whatever, a dollar a game, and they would play. And then he would just kind of keep raising the stakes, even if he was like losing, winning. I mean, I'm sure he had some hustle in him. But just like, yeah. he would just basically be like, okay, this guy's better than me. He would just, the guy would be behind the eight ball or the nine ball. He's about to, he's got like a straight in shot on the nine is one of his stories. And he's like, hey, listen, I know we're only playing for, uh, for $10, but uh, this shot's for $100. Uh, if you make this shot, you know, well, let's bet 100 that you won't make it. And the guy is just like, it's a straight in shot, but he takes the bet well, and course, he, misses, yeah. he misses the shot. I mean, who knows if it's a made up story, but it's definitely true well, in, in my experience in gambling that people have a kind I, of a all in breaking point. Yeah, and like he goes deeper into it uh, as far as like that kind of strategy for, for hustling or gambling, however you want to consider it, for, for golf. And like uh, golf was a big part of the book and it's just whatever. He, I think he was around a scratch golfer, maybe like a, a one or a two or something like that. But like he would take on anybody because he knew that there was a price point where he could make someone nervous or he knew internally with himself that if he had a 10 foot putt for all the money, his heart rate's gonna be calm, 
Everything is going to be mentally focused. And he's just going to make the putt. Like, where, like he, he has more faith in himself than anyone else. And, like, that's a, that's a, that's a beautiful thing to have confidence in. Like, you see it in athletes all the time. They talk about the Gio Montanas, the Tom Brady's, people that didn't necessarily have the biggest uh, arsenal of uh, physical standouts. But when it came down to the moment, they could focus, they saw the window, and they could, like, put it through there every single time. Yeah, and mental toughness. It, their, their brains got a six-pack. Yeah, and <laughs> that's, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. It's, uh, man, like, I mean, you see it more in sports, but, like, I, I do equate, like, gambling kind of to it as well, like, where they always say the moment becomes too big for people. Usually the first time you get to your first poker final table, let's say, usually, like, you're so in awe and just, like, overwhelmed with emotions Especially with the, with the cameras and yeah. all that. I oh, mean, not, yeah. not that I've experienced that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but for you, yeah. but like, WPT champion. <laughs> for sure. And like it, it, it kind of becomes bigger than what that game actually is. And, but there are certain people where it doesn't phase them at all. Um, I'm not going to put myself in that mix at all, even though I've done just fine on, on TVs and streams and stuff like that. But like it's, it's, a, it's a real thing. People tend to not do well the first two, three, four times they've, they're on streams or at a televised final table or any final table, honestly. But like when they feel that extra pressure and eyes on them, all of a sudden they kind of revert back to being scared and then usually being scared turns into spazzing out, which I think we both know something about. But uh, Yeah, yeah. I think I did a, we did a No Gamble, No Future recently and, uh, and my dad came into the house and... Uh, and said, "Oh, hey, uh, you know, I was watching. I was watching some poker on TV, and uh, and this guy checked on the river, and then and then he went all in with just a king high. <laughs> I don't, and uh, obviously, he was talking about the hand where I I tried to check raise bluff all in against someone that had top two pair. Uh, yeah. So what, what, <laughs> when is not, that, when is that episode going to air? Because I, I really need to have that uh, being shown." It's, it's I mean, it must have there. aired if my dad saw wow. it. I mean, he, he sweats a lot of poker. I feel like we need to put some kind of link. Shout out Poker Go, by the way. And, uh, <laughs> no gamble, no future. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. had some gamble and almost no future after, <laughs> after that episode. He gambled in some parts, and then he anti-gambled in other parts. We're not going to bring up the Queen's hand, are we? I don't think they showed that part. <laughs> so, no. Did you write them I a made, letter? I Did... made a big fold that was not right after I made a bunch of big calls that were not right also. <laughs> I think you showed me your hand like... Uh, I do not do I, well with I, people sweating my I hand. I th yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I got to sweat his hand. And we were playing with a, a friend of ours, Brian Oaken. And Oaken had probably two shots of Kahlua, I'm guessing. But either way, he was fucking over the moon, like buzzed and happy. On, let me just say, Brian Oaken plays way better when he's drunk. You should do it more often. Um, but either way, he was running the table over, just crushing everybody. And just showing bluff after bluff after bluff. After bluff. <laughs> and he then, did do some of that. <laughs> then Art gets in a spot with two queens. With, with a club, I think. Yeah. I don't even remember the whole board. There was, there was three clubs out there. He had just called pre-flop or something, and then he started raising me on the flop and bet big on the turn. I think I just folded. Yeah, I was you just like, folded turn. I was like, ah, oh, this is no good. He's always got me yeah. beat here. And, he, and then he showed like three, four offsuit for a lot. Two undercards with no clubs. And he couldn't stop laughing. And to be fair, and we went I on, was laughing as well. Yeah, but I, I bribed them to not show that, I hope. Um, but either way, well, I mean, it's, it's on public record now. But either way, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we can find a clip somewhere. I, I can, I know some people at Poker Go. I'm sure we can find like a two-minute hand history there. But yeah, I, I, yeah, you're right. You, you let me sweat the hand, and I'm just like, oh, on the turn, this is like, oh, Art's going to double up here. Oh, wow. 
Brian Oaken's gonna be so steamed up right now. This game's gonna about to get really, really good. And then Art just, just folded. Just give him the pot. Just give him the money. Go take it. I, th I thought maybe you were like drunk enough where you thought the cards were in one hand and chips were in the other one. I don't know. <laughs> like where you're just like, well, I'm obviously gonna call this, and you're like, oh, those are cards, not chips. Oh no, my cards slash chips went in. <laughs> Anyways, back to the back to who we're really talking about, Billy Walters, not me. Sorry, Art, the Knit Parman. So just, just as a, a, an aside or whatever, I grew up with a, a dear friend of mine, Lloyd Daw. Not that anyone's supposed to know Lloyd. But uh, he had the same kind of tough, forced upbringing. And um, he had a job when he was you know, 12. He bought his own uh, work van when he was 16. He ran like a shipping, or a shipping, uh, like a shrimp business, like when he was like 16, 17, 18. Really? Like it was, it was insane. Like he, he was a C student, whatever, you know, average, average student. But like all he wanted to do was make something big out of himself because of his upbringing. And he, he bought a van, a big, just child molesting van of just tan. And he would drive two hours down to Wilmington, North Carolina every uh, Thursday and Friday, I believe, drive back up. And then like be on the side of the road like selling shrimp to people like you remember the was the, he uh was he fishing for the shrimp or buying them? no he just bought them so he just would buy them he bought somewhere them. where he a little geographic arbitrage he'd yeah. buy them where they're kind of cheap and then Super, bring them where they're not available and basically yeah i mean we're fairly close to the ocean but at the same point it was you know, a two-hour straight shot, they get ch uh, cheap, but like super high quality, huge, huge shrimp. Yeah. And he would just come back, and before school, he would just sit there and sell them on the side of the road. And like, That's, that's impressive. It, it, it really is. And like he, I mean, clearly successful now. Like, I mean, he's... What became of Lloyd? Uh, this is where I'm going to be maybe semi-embarrassed, but like he's especially a mortgage broker um, for a bank. But with, if you would have saw Lloyd at ages 15, 16... You would have been kind of worried for his future, like a little bit, because like he had a little bit of that DJ in him. If like if he had money, the money was kind of gone or whatever. Yeah, he wasn't much of a saver. But if you put him into like a business plan, oh, it was just all about the end game of the business, and it was it was really impressive to watch. And like, um, love his wife as well, but he actually married uh, someone fairly quickly out of high school that was three or four years old, his senior. Okay, because that's how kind of mature he was. And yeah, it's like not it. like she she wasn't a cutie. She was she was a very attractive like twenty three year old and just married her when it was like nineteen. Okay. Yeah, it was a uh, locked it, her down. I mean, <laughs> it, it, they're they're fantastic. But like it, it kind of goes back to like you know just you get that drive from either your childhood or your personality, probably a combination of both. Um, but it also goes to show you. I mean, you can you can lose it too, or you can just <laughs> like like uh, Billy Walters it up. I mean, he was willing to lose everything. Yeah. Often, <laughs> and I think he did multiple times. I mean, it made it seem like he was broke for dude, I don't yeah, know, quite but, a then, bit of times. but then he would just always bounce. Like, I mean, yeah. the book in the beginning is so it's it's not dense, but there's just a lot of information from like his childhood. And it, I mean, I'm glad because it gives like a really good you know background story to him. But but like when he's 14 and he he starts like raking the stables because he loves DJing off at the racetrack, you yeah. know, and he's just like, well, let me get a job here with these guys. And he could just like, I think he started his own poker game at some rinky dink bar where he was raking oh, yeah. it. In like the a, back, yeah. And then there was like guys coming in shooting and he just like, the way he told it, he just like falls on the floor, crawls out the back and just never came back. He just, and then like two weeks later, the place blows up mysteriously. Oh, that's right. It did blow up. I was I like, I, when he said that part, I had to rewind it. I was like, what? <laughs> Blew up? <laughs> I don't know what the hell happened. I mean, I guess he didn't either. He didn't care to find out. 
No. But then he found his like sales gear too because he got a job. Uh, he did the stable boy job, yep. and then he did uh, he did some other job he in was between. A car salesman. Well, before that, uh, he worked at like a gas station or something, and he started like selling people on upselling them on like. I don't know, whatever at the gas station that they have, yeah. those little trees maybe that you hang in the window. <laughs> little, little Billy Walter space tree. You want, you want one of these? <laughs> anyway, but yeah, he became a car salesman. And he said at like, at 20 years old or something, he, he, uh, he made the equivalent of today's dollars in commissions of like 500K in one yeah. year as a car salesman at, at you know, not a, not a, journeyman car salesman who's been doing it his whole life just some guy who like could upsell anyone find their budget and just like put him in put him into a car i mean that's what it's what he was i mean he's a hustler i mean like whatever he he had the gift gift of gab which is like kind of inherent for people that are uh, hustlers at heart or whatever it seems inherent to anyone from kentucky like, <laughs> i mean i've never met someone that's from true. kentucky i think they i know four people from kentucky but they, they, they all talk they, they tell me a story and my eyes get big like the little disney princess doe-eyed and i'm just like oh tell me more it is true I, I feel like they like and i'm sure they don't but like practice in the mirror or like well at least like practice it on their friends and like oh, all right this part didn't work let's cut this shorter there's this gotta be something good. like a story yeah. time culture down there i guess they didn't get the internet till like last year so they just had to keep talking to each other i mean i mean we keep bringing on pat madden and we love pat madden but like i mean another guy just from yeah. kentucky gifted to have incredible just... storyteller and joke teller yeah. fucking kentucky you guys you guys bluegrass it up well, good job guys you're raising you're raising killers out there yeah, yeah i guess i guess we get to see only the ones that escape kentucky like, sure like maybe the ones that stay in kentucky their entire life maybe not not, not quite as much but maybe not yeah I guess I don't know. I'll you've never been in Kentucky? To... Wait, you've never been to Kentucky? You mean the Scotland of America? <laughs> <laughs> I Well, you grew up in Virginia. I mean, the chicken leg state. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I haven't. I think I drove. No, I think I avoided driving through it also when wow. I uh, when I drove out here from Virginia. Well, yeah. Louisville's a fantastic town. Um, oh, for yeah. those who don't know. Uh, Muhammad Ali uh, has a museum there. It's it's fantastic. Like I mean, all his memorabilia and shit. Yeah, it's Dude, it's like two stories or something. It's huge. Right. Where's uh, the Elvis thing? Is that there? Or is that Tennessee? No, that's. I wanted to say Nashville right away, but I don't, I'm not sure. Wait, where Graceland? Graceland's a thing. Graceland, but where is that? <laughs> I'm gonna say Tennessee. Let's Google it. Internet. Yeah, it's Tennessee. Put it in the comments if we got it right. Tennessee. Yeah, I got it right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> don't know. Um, all right. So where were we? He. He sold a gajillion cars. Oh, and then he and he had like a kid along the way. I think he had a kid when he was like sixteen, right? Like yeah. He, he it was married. 16, he just like yeah. married. Oh yeah, he he had a kid, and he had to drive to like another state with his child bride so that he could pretend that they were eighteen. Like his state, they weren't allowed to get married, mm -hmm. but also the other state, they weren't allowed to get married. He just like it was just two years younger or something like that. So he was like, oh yeah, I'm eighteen and she's seventeen, so we're good. Uh, <laughs> And then I guess back then you didn't have to actually show a real ID. Who knows? Slip a slip the a good twenty. Old days. I mean, <laughs> yeah. He. <laughs> Anyways, that marriage didn't work out. <laughs> I, I can't remember if it was with that wife or his next wife that he took his first trip to Vegas. I think it was the second wife he did. Cause... Okay, because his first wife, he had told all these stories about staying out yeah. all night drinking and gambling, uh, and like his buddies would have to like carry him into bed, drop him off, and like they would get into a fight. Uh, you know, obviously, as one would with any of their spouse fucking blowing everything of every single night <laughs> as, possible. As, as great as I 
love Billy Walters. I don't blame the first two wives at all for just being like, yeah. what the fuck are you doing? I mean, there's so you can you can respect someone and you can take pieces of their life and be like, I want to apply that to my life. I want to apply that to yeah. my life. And you don't have to pick their everything, you know. You don't have to become. I don't want to be Billy Walters, you know. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to have that that gear in me. But I do like, you know, I, I would like to be able to make sports bets and win. That would be nice. <laughs> and that is a great part of the story. But getting back to the personal part a little bit, as as we are both gamblers and have wives and you with the family. Like it does show like there's there's some stressors that come along to it. Like, you know, a lot of people I talk to, they find out what I do for a living. Oh, you gamble? Oh, how nice it is for you. Oh, yeah. Like just no stress in your whole life. <laughs> just just wake up, make money, go to bed and repeat. Yeah. But like Billy Walter's show, there's there's very uh <laughs> Dude, if you don't have if you can't manage your manage your money, well his bankroll management, he learned a lot he learned the same lesson a lot of times <laughs> until That's right. he until he learned it. Yeah. Like, I, I think uh, it was last podcast, maybe uh, the one before, where I mentioned kind of the same thing where, you know, I would, I would put myself in such a deep hole from, like, degening too much or, like, uh, playing poorly at poker knowingly and then get myself in a quarter and start playing good and, like, fighting back or whatever. But, like, he, he did this, A, 10 to more times than I ever have and probably to the extreme of, like, 10x as well. Like, he got himself in a hole where he was dead broke with kids and yeah. unhappy wife. And oh yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the the story I'm thinking of, I'm I'm sure there are a few in the book that I'm forgetting, but the one the one where he lost his he he finally so he sells all those cars, has a great year, or it could be like around that time when he's making money. He moves into like a high end neighborhood, you know, gets like a a big house, uh, and then he plays poker all night, and he loses. He literally loses his house in poker. He's playing, oh, right. yeah. and he and he's playing all night, and he loses some huge hand where he like doesn't have the money, and he's like loses the amount that that is equal to his house that he just bought in cash, I think. So he so he goes home, and he tells his wife, I, I think he gives her two brochures for two apartment complexes, and and he's like, which one which one of these two do you like the best, sweetie? And she's like, what what are you talking about, Billy? And she, she's like, well, I mean, I, I guess this one. He's like, okay, good, because uh, I, I got to sell our house and we got to move into one of these places because, you know, I got aces full and they were no good. I, I mean, I don't know. You probably... <laughs> and, and I guess to, to his friend's credit, he said that the friend didn't hold him to it. He said, listen, Billy, don't sell it. Don't, I don't want your house. You don't have to give me your house, but just pay me when you can. And I think the follow-up was he did still sell his house, but he moved into a smaller one. Yeah. And then he paid him the difference and paid him every penny after that. He just like he would keep getting himself into these holes, but like right after he would like run it up. So I don't know, I guess he was capable of always losing it along the way on the run up, kinda like the old Archie Karras uh, yeah. stories, you know, you can't win forty million at dice unless you're willing to lose forty million at dice. Like when you start with a thousand, you know, you can't you gotta have that run it up mentality to to really go off for that much. But yeah, no, just it just shows to his credit both his character and his early willingness to gamble. I mean, this was still in his drinking days, obviously. Oh, clearly. But like, it's also the, it shows intelligence as well. Cause like, clearly not in the moment, like, you know, we all make poor decisions, period, but poor decisions while drinking is, is pretty obvious. But like, he was intelligent enough to like, you know, buckle himself down in certain points of his life, even while he was drinking. He'd be like, oh, all right, I'm not gonna drink for this amount of time. It's earning season. And like, this, yeah, I, I need to do this so I can have fun later. Like that was kind yeah. of the way he viewed it. There was, it's it's a uh, it's 
I like it. It's pretty admiral. I don't Dude, know. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, he took his first trip to Vegas. Uh, oh, I, I, I don't know why I think it, I'm still thinking it's with his first wife because he comes, either way, it doesn't really matter. He comes to Vegas, uh, but it's only a stopover. He's only here to go to Hawaii. He's coming from Kentucky. He's going to Hawaii on his, I think it's his honeymoon maybe with his second wife or he could have been with his. It's a second because like he met her through a a gambling buddy of his and she's like, well, she knows the lifestyle. Okay. And she's, she's going to be okay with it ish or whatever. Right. And they were going to go to Hawaii and they had to stop off there and like he basically just not ran away, but like abandoned them for like 24 hours. Yeah. They check into the room and he's like, all right, sweetie, I'm going to go check out this blackjack thing or whatever the hell he decides to do. He goes down there, he blows. Everything he brought for his, he had like all his money for his vacation. It was basically. quite a bit. Like, I don't remember the yeah, number. Thousands of dollars, but like yeah. back then, like thousands of dollars was, yeah. it was probably like equivalent of like 50K or something, like yeah. for now. And anyway, he, he brought all that money down there, blew it all, didn't like even talk to his wife. They did, they, they just stayed like, for the three days, I think, and then they went back to yeah. Kentucky. I, I, I don't even know if they said, yeah, they did. I think they she got just, like, the room. stayed in the room but and yeah, he like was, lost just, more probably. I from think back it was like home. 12 hours later, she was just like, Finally found him, and he's just like, oh, well, we're not going to go to Hawaii anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't believe they got divorced. <laughs> yeah, cannot I mean, believe and it. And to, to Billy's credit, he takes complete credit for, or blame, credit, yeah. blame, whatever, uh, for all this. And just like, she, she was a saint for even being with me as long as she was, and like all that <laughs> stuff. Being with a gambler that has that kind of problem has got to be tough. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it was always just drinking for him, because he would drink, and then he couldn't stop, and then he would just go and go and Basically, he wanted to lose every dollar he had. Yeah. And I mean, he even has that quote in his book where it's a it's a common gambler's myth quote or whatever, but anybody who loves gambling, and I mean, I guess you don't have to love drinking for this, but anyone who loves gambling and is addicted to gambling, uh, the quote is, the best feeling in gambling is betting and winning. The second best feeling, gambling and losing. <laughs> And he puts that in his book, and it's just like, yeah, you know, I mean, it's always, you don't get it unless you're a gambler, because it doesn't really make any sense, but then you're just like, oh, I just want to be gambling, whether I'm winning or losing, yeah. I just want to be in action. Like, if I can't be in action, then that's, I really lost. That's then, sad. Then it's... Yeah. Then I just, I have to, what would I have I mean, to do? I'm, I'm sure a mortgage it's... broker or something? <laughs> 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 okay, so, at some point after, after that, he, he moves to Las Vegas. <laughs> It is true. It is true. At some point, he moves to Vegas because it definitely says that in his book. No, he. uh, So at some point after that, he moves to Vegas. Uh, He's he's done selling cars. He just wants to gamble now. He meets uh, Chip Reese playing poker. Does he meets? Think, all the heads of the yeah. casinos for because he likes to lose all his money. I think even Doyle's in there that he met. Uh, Doyle and Chip. Yeah. And of course he rubs shoulders with uh, with the aunt from uh, from casino. From the casino, Joe, Joe Pesci. <laughs> Joe Pesci's character, Joe, Tony Spilatro. Yes. You know, Ant Man <laughs> would would, uh, would not do that in front of Joe Pesci or yeah. <laughs> actually, anyone that angry and tiny. Yeah, so he, he meets him. I, I remember a funny story from the book because he's playing poker with Chip Reese and uh, I think, I can't remember if he if he finds sports betting success with uh, Doyle and him and because uh, he gets in with the computer group during this time in That's the right. 80s. The computer group, obviously, 
Uh, actually, not obviously, because I had never heard of them before reading this book. But they, uh, they basically found out that the number three was important in football, and they won all the money because of that. That's right. I don't know. That's the basic. That's my understanding of it. Yeah, and like he, he, he it was in a nice, um, nice spot for the group as well, because he was a known gambler, known to go off, so he could go into almost a casino. And bet almost whatever you wanted to. I mean, essentially, like, yeah. it, he, and also professional sports betters wasn't really a thing back then. Yeah, like, you true. would just lose, yeah. or you had inside information. There was nothing else. That's, that's it was right. like you're cheating or you're losing. <laughs> so when when he comes in and pitches to Doyle and Chip, like, hey, listen, this these guys are winning and they just need backing. Uh, they they were in right. I think I think the first weekend they played. I think uh, they lost the first weekend. They, they lost like a lot. Like a million or something. Yeah, yeah, like a million in the fucking 80s, which is yeah. like 50 million today. I don't even know. Yeah. But, uh, but he lost, they lost a lot of money the first weekend, and then they, and then they turned it around, uh, you know, just variants, I guess. But there's a version of Billy Walters maybe that just isn't, <laughs> isn't Billy Walters because he, uh, because he failed that weekend, you know? <laughs> and they, they got cut off by Doyle and, uh, and Chip. But the reason I thought of them is because there's a part in the book where, where Tony Spilatro finds out uh, that they're winning at sports or something like that. No, that's right. And he, mm-hmm. and he tells him, like, tell your fat friend Doyle that I'm going to stab him 12 times in the gut and spill, out, <laughs> spill him out on the street. Something like that. <laughs> I think it was very specific. That was about very the, dramatic. About the 12. He was like, <laughs> 12 times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because he's tinier. <laughs> Doyle's a big guy. I don't know. <laughs> yes. So, I'm going to get gonna... right in the belly button. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, so, yeah, he, uh, he gets in with the computer group. Yeah. Uh, doesn't get killed by Tony Spilatro. Yeah. But. He does. He does get scared out of town by him at some point, right? Do you remember that part of the book? I don't. I so, remember like they brought the binion uh, in to kind of smooth things over with uh, Spilacho. There, that was in there where yeah. he, where Binion came in, and and Binion is like the boss man, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Tony wouldn't have killed him or any of his friends, <laughs> but he would kill other people. So, so basically, Jack Binion smoothed it out to where him and Doyle and Chip didn't have to pay him on. I forget if it was their poker winnings or their sports winnings, but something where he was going to try to take money illegally from them. Uh, but no, there was a scene in there where he uh, he finally, like, they find out that he's winning at sports or something like that, and Tony is like, listen, I'm going to need X percentage. And they he's just like, you know, we couldn't pay, we can't pay that. So him and his wife just like moved back to oh, Kentucky or yeah, something. Yeah, they did. That's right. Yeah. And then like a, a certain amount of time later, the aunt just gets squashed. He dies, and uh, <laughs> he got the raid. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> boot. But, but he got he, booted. All right. So he anyway. so he moves out here eventually, uh, even yeah. after having to deal with this whole back and forth shenanigans. The timeline. Anyway, he had he. Me. he he obtained some money in Vegas. He obtained some money in Vegas. And he was looking for, well, new hustles. I mean, he, he had the golf thing kind of going on. He got all the, I wouldn't say all the hookups, but like got a lot of good golf matches. He did. He picked up golf and then he, he got good at it, or at least good enough to gamble on it. He kind of takes me back to uh, his nine-year-old days when he was like, right. I'll bet you 100 when the actual game is for $2. 
and uh, he would do that to people on the golf course. He would, uh, I don't know, is it a Billy Walters story? I, it's not in the book, which makes me think it's not, but I've heard this story at the poker table before where Billy Walters, his thing is pressing people to their limit, right? Yeah. So it's kind of in the book, but yeah. That part is in the book. But there's there's a story that I've heard from old school gamblers. I don't know if it was Billy Baxter telling a story. I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth. Mm. But the story goes, they're on the first tee. He's got a money match against someone who has a lot of money. And and he says to the he he knows that like they're not playing for enough yet. So he like wants to raise the stakes. So he says, Hey, when can we press? And the guy's like it's the first tee, Billy. Like you can't press here. <laughs> you know, you can press. You can press when you're down. You know, once yeah. you're down, you can press. So Billy just ninety degree turns on the tee box, hits one into the water, looks at the guy and says, "Let's press, press it." <laughs> <laughs> and and that story just like I don't know. He didn't put it in the book, like I said, so it might not be him. But that's who I picture when I hear that story. <laughs> like he he will push a man. To wager more than he wants to wager as often as possible, and it works for him because when when he's facing, he I think that's he where he thinks his edge is. When he's right. facing like a, a ten foot putt or a, even a three foot putt, and he's looking over the ball, you know, and there's a million on the line, he's thinking the the hole gets bigger for him. When other people are standing sure. over a three foot putt with a million on the line, it, it the the ball smaller, or the hole smaller than the ball, you know. <laughs> And yeah, and that's true. I mean, I, I don't know if it was Billy Walters specifically, but I know he was around during the times of those stories. So it's either him or a Dewey Tomko or a Doyle Brunson, whatever, mm -hmm. like, you know, pick your favorite gambler yeah. <laughs> uh, that golfed. But like, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's gotta be it. But like, there's, but anyway, yeah, he, he found a way to hustle's the, the wrong word. Cause like I hustle is, is looked at in a negative light, yeah. but in, in this way it's, because it, it could be positive too, you know, the, the hustle, you're hustling. There was even like a, a freaking business newsletter called The Hustle where, you, yeah. where you're just like on your grind basically. And he was on his grind hustling that way. And he, and he was a fair gambler, you know, like he would do, he would yeah. bet if he thought he had an edge. But if he didn't have an edge, he would just try to raise the stakes. He and he would bet. say, that's my edge. Like he, he did tell a story at the end of the book. And like I don't want to jump ahead, but like where he uh, had a story with Gabe Kaplan from... Um, uh, Three's uh, company. No, stop. <laughs> Welcome back, Cotter. <laughs> Thank you. <Welcome>. Three's <laughs> company. That was a weird laugh. They're, they're all, they're all, I, I actually have never seen either of those shows. So. Oh, oh, Three's company is fantastic. I don't know the other one, but yeah, Three's company is great. Okay. But either way, like it, he, same kind of thing where like he had a match against Gabe and Gabe was like getting decent at golf and was getting like a stroke a hole. And like all his friends were telling him, don't do it, dude, you're going to get crushed. And he's like, it's okay. And he just kept on pressing, pressing, pressing like after uh, 14, to the point where he, he beat him the first couple of days, and on, eight, uh, on the third day, I think Gabe was up, I don't know, something stupid, like probably a half a million or something like that. On I remember the story, yeah. And his, like he was on 18, and all Gabe needed to do was make a nine to beat him. A nine. On a par five, right? Or yeah. Something like that, yeah. And like he's just like, I wanna, I wanna play for all, but I press you. He's like, well, can we just talk buyout? I just want to talk buyout, and that that that, that sense of weakness. Yeah, that that story was so good because he he he. I don't know if it's true the way he told it, but he said he said Gabe like addressed the ball like three separate yeah. times and backed off three Every times. Every single time, it's like, can we just talk deal, please? Yeah. <laughs> like, listen, listen, listen. I don't. Wanna, I only have to get a nine here. Do you want to just pay eighty percent of the money or? It's like it's like when you play someone heads up the first time in a poker tournament like that. And there's 
like I was the first time, and it was like it was offered to me, or I had two point chip lead, and it was like, oh, let's just do it right down the middle. I was like, oh yeah, right down the middle. Yes, that's fine. Like I could have got me for a lot more, I'm guessing. Right. But like, I mean, same kind of thing. It's just it's a lot of money, and you just feel those nerves, and like you look at the ball, and you're like, uh, this is not going to go well at all. And like uh, I think in the book, um, uh, Billy had a friend who was like, dude, what are you doing? Like he needs to make a nine. You're going to lose like a million dollars on this yeah. game. He was like. Calm down. I got this. And like, I think, uh, I, I think Kate ended up making like a twelve or thirteen or something like that. Yeah, the way he said it, he dumped his first one into the water, yeah. and then he uh, he dumped another one into. Oh no, first one into like a big patch of rough or something, yeah. and then he he could have he, hit it out onto the fairway, but he clawed it into the water yeah. or some shit. He liked experience. <laughs> he, he he wanted to like prove to him that like he should have taken the bet instead of just like, look, I legit need to take a nine. Let me take pitching wedge, pitching wedge. Yeah. Pitching wedge, pitching wedge, three putt, seven, good night. Like, which is like it's it's tough though. Like when you get 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 tested your man card a little bit. Like yeah, that uh that that golf story. Uh, he has it's obviously the stakes are are different. But in the beginning, when he's uh, when he's like just learned golf or something, or or he's like decent at golf. I, I remember a story where he told a guy I could just use like an it's kind of like out of tin cup. He's mm. like I could just use an iron. And a putter, and I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a par on this par five or something like that. And the guy was like, "No way!" And then he he like beat him out of two thousand and uh, yeah. and has a cool story out of it. I don't even know if he had the money in his pocket to to pay the bet. Yeah, I want to say he didn't. If he lost, but I guess that's a common for him. <laughs> but like uh, Netflix has like a series called Losers. I think it came out probably like six seven years ago. But one of the they they basically. Uh, do stories, documentaries on people that had it in their hands and basically fucked them oh, off. No. And there's this guy. <laughs> That's a great and, idea. I, I'm not. I, I was. I wasn't big into golf though a few years ago. But there was this golfer. I think it was the British Open. I think he had like a four or five shot lead going into 18. And there was not nothing special about it or anything like that. But like everyone, every pro on the tour was hitting, you know, an iron off a tee or like a small wood. But like he wanted to prove to him he was there to win, and he hit like a, a driver and he hit it into the shit, and then like. <laughs> He ended up like losing the, the entire tournament based on that hole, oh and like they, they basically just broke down that hole and just just every shot was like, just well, he shitted on this instead. <laughs> just amplified his pain. He yeah. already not not that he you know I'm sure he forgot about it by now, but but yeah, <laughs> in case he I, didn't. I, I think it was a Frenchman or whatever. It would have been the first first Frenchman to win like the British Open in forever or something like. But like they literally like showed the graphic of the hole. It's like. He hit his like pitching wedge like 160. He's like, well, if you had just went it there and there and there and there, he just would have made bogey or double bogey, and it would have been completely fine. And like these professional golfers, like they're not missing pitching wedge ever. Sure, yeah. And like it was, like it's got to be just amplified to that where like you people are kind of in your ear, like, dude, just take the money, just like hit the easy shot. You're like, no, I'm more of a man than that. Don't worry about me. And then like. Four shots later, you're like, oh, I should have fucking done right. something different. But you'll never admit it. <laughs> but I, 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 I don't take myself away from that thing as well. Like, if I was in uh, Gabe Kaplan's shoes, I would have done the same thing. I would have tried to hit the yeah. perfect drive. And like, yeah, fuck I mean, you. Fucking I'm going to birdie this. Phil Hummuth is still buying insurance in every all-in I've ever seen him on TV. So there's, he doesn't have anything left to do anymore. But he's still nervous about this big pot. <laughs> Those, those Hardy's commercials, not, or Carl's Jr.'s commercials, not going through anymore? <laughs> I haven't seen his Hardy's commercials. Dude, this is like eight years ago, but like he really? had like a series of uh, Hardy's commercials. Oh. Elmuth did? Yeah, you gotta oh look this up. They're, they're fantastic. I will look it up. 
Okay, so who are we talking about again? His name oh, is Bill Billy Walters. Walters. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sidetracked. <laughs> Anyways, he didn't lose the British Open. Although he did win a pro am, remember? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was in the book too. He had a he had a so cool a pro am where he just like played. The, people were saying he shaved his handicap or something down, but then he like lost by twenty the next year with the same handicap. Yeah. So it's like okay, I mean, but yeah, that's a great part of the book too, where he just like lives out his fantasy of of winning a, a real golf tournament. So. I mean, he definitely, what he does, he does it hard. He, he goes right. all in on what he does. He's 100%. <clears throat> and, uh, and I don't know, did we talk about the computer group yet? <laughs> I think we I did. Think we mentioned it earlier. <laughs> okay, so he, he did that. But a- after, uh, he, he actually got into a bunch of legal trouble with that, which is That's actually, right. yeah. honestly, I like the book a lot. But the part where he's dealing with all his legal issues with like both the computer group and, and then later on with insider trading, like... I don't know, kind of a snoozer for me. Like I was, I was into it a little bit, especially like the. But he kept like mentioning names and like how they fucked him, and I was like, I'm sure it means a great deal to these people that they that they, that they're mentioned and and talking about all this shit. But like the only part I really cared to to hear about him getting fucked was by Phil Mickelson. Like that was that was interesting to me to hear about their conversations, and he just like outed him. Put him on blast. Like I'm sure he's going to face more legal trouble from Phil, like lawsuit-wise, about exposing his betting and slandering him. But but if it's true, like how could he? Like I, I, exactly, I, I'm he needs guessing, to be able to back it up. Yeah, I'm guessing Billy Walter has been very careful yeah. about what he put in the book to where what he can prove and what he can't. I'm guessing everything he put in the book he can either <laughs> prove or at least have like a, a witness to say. Yeah, it or happened. it's gray enough of an area yeah. where it can't be disproved. Exactly. And like <laughs> however you feel about Phil, like I've I've always liked Phil. But like, and like, honestly, like even in the book, they say he didn't do anything wrong until he was given the opportunity to help out his good friend by not lying, just telling the truth. And Phil's like, nope, it's going to hurt my reputation. It's going to hurt my like, endorsements. But first he said, yes, I'll well, be there. Yeah, that's true. That and is true. he didn't show well, up. Well, uh, yeah. Because like, I, I'm sure inherently... Phil as a friend is like, yeah, of course I'm gonna be there for you, buddy. Like that's fine, yeah. of course. And then he took a straw poll of all his advisors yeah, and exactly. lawyers, and they were like, his accountant's like, dude, you're gonna lose like three hundred million dollars a year if you say yes to this. And he's like, how much? That's a lot of money. <laughs> I lose that much on gambling every year. I'm gonna have to keep that money. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, dude, he yeah. So I mean, you'll see it in the book when you guys read it. But but yeah, he. He gambles a lot. Basically, Billy used him as an out. For, At least a beard, but like it was a mutual thing. He got cuts. Yeah, for those who don't know, a beard yeah. is just someone who bets for someone else. Yeah. But they, I think they made that illegal, uh, messenger betting. But then they, but you're allowed to do it if you uh, like sign something, like your partners. But anyway, they made it illegal later. Uh, he he would bet for Billy, but the, the this is kind of another part of like his mad genius, uh, Billy Walters, because he would take like. Phil gave him his accounts, and Phil was like a big-time gambler. He said, Billy said in the book, he looked through all of his receipts of his betting while he was like on his accounts or whatever or talking to Phil, and he was like, Phil has bet over a billion dollars betting sports and not with an edge, just like to bet, just to gamble. And Billy was like, the only other person I know that has bet that much is me. (laughs) 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 And, and, but, but like... To his mad genius again, he he looked at Phil's betting history and he tried to mimic it because he knew he had like a really like a golden goose in his hands. He had this account from a professional golfer who would bet gigantic yeah. on random shit, but in like a 
specific pattern. Like he would always kind of bet the same kind of way. He would bet, you know, in different. He would bet. He, I mean, he told some stories about him betting while he was like a, about to lose or possibly win big golf tournaments too. Like he wakes up in the morning, he's just like, I think yeah, that's true. I like the I believe that plus 100%. three today, dude. Me too. I mean, if you're a gambler, you just gamble. Like you yeah. don't think you don't interact yeah. it with your regular day life. You're just like, oh yeah, there's a football game tonight. I'm probably going to be busy winning this tournament yeah. of golf, so I better put my bet well, in tonight. <laughs> if I'm on $2 million. Final table of a tournament and it falls happily on a Sunday and the Broncos are like getting four and a half from the Bears, <laughs> there's a good chance that I'm, I'm doing all this shit right before the tournament. Like, right. You guys and you're left-handed too. Anyway. You're basically <laughs> Phil Mickelson of poker. <laughs> but like... But no, that was that was part of his crazy craftiness that he would try to like hide the accounts. Eventually, he got found out. He got cut off. They were like, "Oh, we're here. You're well, moving, moving up for Billy." Yeah. Oh yeah, and then Phil would bet on his own accounts the right. same thing, double the action, and then those bookies would probably talk to each other. But who knows what happened? Well, but yeah, I I, I I won't name any names, but I have a friend that uh, is in the same lineage, kind of as a Billy Walters or whatever, and it was so cool. Like I was able to watch him on a Saturday two different times in his home base where he has just infinite screens open, like everyone on speed dial as far as runners and beards and just like everything and like his math groups and stuff like that. And it was just so cool to watch everything. And it's just like, it's, it's not even gambling at that point. It was just very it's like, like stock specific. Trading. Yeah, exactly right. That, that's what it was. He's like, yeah, as soon as this hits three and five, I'm going to bet it. But like, I, I want this number to get up to seven. So I'm going to have to bet 50,000 over here to push this one to seven. As soon as it hits seven, I'm going to bet $2 million on the other side. I'm going to crash it down. And like, I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, like it's just nuts. Wow, like, I can't. I can't. But even like imagine. he mentioned some of that stuff in the thing. Like he I, did. He he. I mean, specifically to like kind of find out his his rats or his like uh, bad employees, oh, yeah. like or people game. that were like putting the, their own bets in, so that he would feed them. Like if he suspected them, he would feed them like bullshit information for like 10k, and like that's a lot of fucking money to everybody. But like to Billy Walters, it was nothing. It was worth 10K to find out if this guy's a scumbag or not because he would feed it to this guy and this guy would basically feed it to like a higher fish and the fish would bet 50K or 100K and would move the line. Yeah, he basically found like a sneaky way to both find a rat yeah. in his, I mean, and a rat is just like he would tell his people like, listen, you're going to get a free roll or you yeah. can have a piece of this this action. Like, it's good, valuable action. You're going to get money off of this. All I ask is you don't bet it for yourself. Just like, I, ha I have moving, I'm pulling a lot of strings here. Every account I yeah. play with is going to be profitable. But if you bet money on the side or tell people about this information, you're screwing it up for everyone. Because I might bet a three, I might, I might take a seven. Like, I want a dog plus seven here but I don't really want them. I just want the line to be six and a half so that I can bet everywhere else. So, so just don't bet it on your own. Like he wouldn't tell him that. He would just say like all these accounts eventually are gonna win, which is true. Mm. But, but like if, if he found out someone was betting on the side, he would do that type of thing to them. He'd be like, all right, well you guys are my guys that move the market. You're gonna be my plus seven takers when I want six and a half. Like you're gonna, <laughs> when I want minus six yeah. and a half, I'm gonna make you take plus seven and then you're gonna bet it. You're gonna tell all your friends they're going to bet it, and then all of a sudden, I'm going to have a great price on a million dollars, and it only cost me 10000 And I find out that you're a piece of shit. Right, like. <laughs> and, and he would just do that to people until they quit or, or whatever. Like He had a lot of good stories in, in that book about that type of thing where, where people were... I mean, Phil was one of those people who was betting on his own, 
Yeah. But he also knew that he was getting the good information because he had really high limits on his account. Right. So. And, yeah. He never like threw Phil under the bus as far as gave him a bad line or anything like that. He just knew. He, yeah. Like when you bet that big, it doesn't take long for the news to travel of like, oh, this bet came in from this account. Oh, really? Did it? Yeah. Sure. Okay. It's not hard <laughs> to figure out like who can bet that much money and, and like how, why they knew to bet it. Yeah. So all, all of that. All the sports betting stuff in there was pretty cool, That's especially good. the behind the scenes, like you're saying, like the the man pulling the strings, the the guy the guy putting in the when this goes to that, the I don't know the Wall Street guy of of sports betting. That was all really cool. But yeah, like I said, the the legal stuff, I wasn't a huge fan of that. Uh, he tried to like kind of defend himself again in the book, which you know it's fine. I I I kind of believe him. You know, I mean the the general public, like jury of your peers, they don't understand sports betting at all. So when he's like trying, he, he said he made a bunch of trial mistakes. Like he didn't take the stand uh, in his trial. He didn't get Phil to like actually, I mean, that's not really his fault, but he didn't get him to testify for him. They, they didn't put in uh, expert witnesses that, uh, that would have possibly helped yeah. him explain it. But, but like he basically said he hired the wrong legal team without like causing himself to possibly get sued by them. He was, he was pretty that's nice. Right. He was pretty nice about it. He's like, they're great. They just weren't great for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to its point, I mean, for the, the one where he got convicted on, they basically ended the trial after the prosecution went because they, they felt the jury basically being bored by all of this, and they thought if they went any further into it, then... Like, yeah, they can you imagine you just, like, all, all you do is, like, you just get, like, lobbed on, and you just do the cross-examinations, and you just don't put any witnesses up? Yeah. It's like... It looks... It's like a boxing match with your hands yeah, up, yeah. and then it's your turn to, to hit, and you just don't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to get you're they not going to get the judge's card. But yeah, like and again, this is all from his like perspective and whatnot. Clearly, there's going to be some bias involved, but like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm sure he did some stuff that was probably below board. Like, it's uh, like let's not. Uh, it's got it's got to be tough because he got into stock like it. For those who don't know, when he got he got convicted of insider trading, right? Yes. Like and. Yeah. And in the past, he had gotten off the hook for all number of sports uh, situations, yeah, betting like, across state lines, and like placing bettings and accepting bettings, for, like whatever. Exactly. He was he was basically just a better, but but the state thought he was a bookie, so That's they right. they tried him as a bookie. He was like he knows what he's talking about, so he's like I have to tell them like I'm not a bookie. Here's what we say. He knew his legal defense was stock trading. Part of me thinks that. Maybe there was some insider stuff because a lot of the a lot of sports betting is knowing secret information, mm -hmm. and he makes a big point in the book to say it's all public information. Everything he knew, I have a feeling that like in the time window that they're talking about, the internet wasn't quite as prevalent. Like I mean, it was, but like information wasn't as easily available as it is now. He talks about getting set up by a guy who kind yeah. of like who kind of like facilitated the whole insider trading. He's like, I'm going to give you this information. Billy says it's public. The guy says maybe not. I, I don't know. It's just it's a whole thing. But uh, but he doesn't have the white collar chops to, to get off the hook on uh, like there's there's other there's other famous hedge fund guys who have done like actually legit insider trading, done zero days in jail, paid billions in fines, and just like you know they laugh all the way to the bank because. They they made ten billion and they paid three. You know they, they the, so yeah. it's it's. I'm not saying that he did any of that stuff that they accused him of. I mean he he went to jail, and his jail stories were 
interesting oh, also, but I like save those for uh, for your own personal time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but in, in general, like I don't know, there was a, a scene in there about a pocket pussy. You remember that part? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he called oh, he called it something uh, some somebody's friend or somebody's uh, girlfriend. I can't remember, but like the somebody's the girlfriend. But yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, he. I, I'm not saying he didn't do it or he did do it. I'm just saying it's interesting to see him defend himself and be like. Dang, you know, it sucks that you didn't, you feel like you didn't get to fully defend yourself. And, and yeah, I, I, to, to your point, when you say other people that have been accused and basically prosecuted for insider trading, getting almost nothing, and he gets this, something doesn't ring true for me. Like, there, there's got to be a bit of a, a fuck you from the government. Like, definitely. We and, didn't catch you on the bookmaking, so now you've been to yeah, trial six times. Exactly. Like, and like, I, I honestly believe that. Like, whether he was, Guilty or not guilty for the insider trading, I think what he got was bullshit. Like I, regardless, like I. Do you know? Uh, do you know the guy who owns the Mets? What's his name? Cohen, so, something Cohen. Uh, I think is his name. I don't know. I could be wrong, but I was listening to something the other day, and it kind of, I laughed because he made basically billions of dollars doing like a little bit. He made like a hundred million doing his own like trading, like day trading or whatever, and then. And then he made billions just like going to doctor's conferences and stuff like that. Giving fake information? Taking, no, no, taking oh. them out to dinner and just like finding out how likely it was something was going to be oh. FDA approved or not. And he, this is the, one, the exact guy I was thinking of when I said he made like $10 billion yeah. and then he got convicted and paid $3 billion. But he already had his billions. He's like, <laughs> yeah. So, so he's just Can we like, do this again next month? Yeah, he's like, all right, thanks for the slap on the old pinky. <laughs> yeah. Not even a slap on the wrist. I'm sure those guys have way more power and pull and pull. Sure, I mean, like, Billy, this is billions and his is like, you know, I mean, he's, Billy Walters is a very successful man, but I would doubt that if he's worth billions, right? No, no, like, no, for sure not. I, I would guess, I don't know, I Gun to my head, something around like uh, if if a hundred million, somewhere in there. Like, yeah, the fact that he branched out and did like real estate, yeah. uh, the car dealerships. I think he did a bunch of them, and he did. Uh, he, I'm sure he has a bunch of land in Vegas too. I mean, he came to Vegas in like the perfect amount of time to to just like expand. But um, but no, I I'm, I mean I'm just saying he he definitely doesn't have as much power as those other guys. For I sure. I mean, he couldn't stay out of jail, so. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, maybe they're just guilty across the board. And he just didn't have enough money to, to figure it out. But like, I don't know. Like, he, he claims he spent spent like well over a hundred million dollars in like legal fees over like the course of like thirty years or yeah, something. Maybe it's a billionaire. I mean, that's that's a lot of money. That's a lot of fucking money. But uh, what what else did he do? Oh, he had he had some good shit in there about uh, his charitable stuff because he Opportunity Village. Opportunity Village. He was basically because he had a son that was like mentally challenged. That's right. Uh, and and his son just couldn't find like a place to fit in until they found Opportunity Village, and he he w he was basically one of the people that worked there. And Billy and his wife, uh, at this point, his third wife, who who was basically his savior, that uh, yes, that when he would gamble and lose everything back when he was drinking, she was just like, "It's cool, we'll be fine." <laughs> like he basically moved up the ranks of like, you can't gamble to like. The girl that like knew something about gambling, but didn't not realize, enough. Yeah. <laughs> didn't realize the extent to like someone who's just like fully immune to swings. <laughs> he eventually found. No, I someone. get it, but you got to figure shit out at some point. Like I'm yeah. not giving you a hard time, but yeah, I mean, basically, once he got sober, it was just like all easy peasy for him. Yeah, it's all lights out. Like, but cheers, yeah, the, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cheers oh. to Billy and his sobriety. Oh, yeah. oh. But yeah, no, his charitable stuff. 
Very impressive. They've donated millions and millions of dollars. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, like he, uh, I, know, I know we started off like, you know, owning and uh, managing golf courses and whatnot, which he wait, oh, yeah. made a much, but like in order to do that, especially land in Vegas, he had to kind of promise a lot of uh, charitable donations, a lot of uh, outreach as far as that goes. And they, it probably wasn't in his, in his intention to do all that, but at the same point, he helped Las Vegas community like tenfold. In, he like, did. He basically turned like a drug, drug-ridden giant park yeah. area into... Into what golf course did he put there? It was uh, Oh, I can't remember that one. I know he owns Bally High, but it wasn't that one. It was... Yeah, he, I, I, mean, I know he worked on a bunch of them. Yeah. So, Bally High, I, I forgot that he yeah. owned that one. Does he still own it? Yeah, or fairly his certain. His, or whatever. His group, for sure. But either way, getting back to Opportunity Village, um, uh, just just another shout out. Anyone that wants to give to them, they should at least like look them up or whatever, but I think it's a great organization. Uh, and if there's any... Buddy out there that wants to volunteer, I'll go with you. Uh, I'll get with you. I'll help out. Like, I don't know. It's one of those things that touch my heart specifically. Um, but I don't know. I just think it's a cool, like, uh, great idea for, for any city. Yeah. I mean, any, any giving is good. I, we, we take the kids every year to their little Christmas tree walking through. Yeah. I munch on a funnel cake or three. And then, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good time. All right. So speaking of the computer group, um, he broke down kind of their strategy in uh, one of the chapters at the end of the book. I'm, I'm sure you remember it quite clearly. It would, to me, it was one of the more drier chapters, but it was still pretty interesting on as far as like probably like the, the novice gambler would be concerned. Is this is this was that the computer group or is this just like kind of the strategy he uses now or is well, that the same? It's the same, the same thing. Like I mean, the computer group basically created the strategy that he helped facilitate. Like, it was one of those. Like, I mean, okay. I'm sure he could do it without a computer group at this point anyway, but like, they basically, again, take just an average NFL football game and they came up with like, whatever, 20 to 40 things to look at and like, kind of like, grade teams giving them plus point ones, plus point five. He did minus. go really into detail. Yeah. And it's like, one of those things where the first, he does like two chapters on his actual betting strategy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I do NFL here, but... You know, this the principles can work for any sport sure. and betting in general. But like he does a whole chapter where I was listening to the audio and I was like, man, I really wish I was reading the book so I could skip this chapter because it was just like, this is what minus one ten means in yeah. sports. This is when you lay minus six hundred. How often you need to win? Like it was, it was dry, but he had to put it in there because it's a sports book and a million people are going to read it that have no idea about gambling. So I get it, but like I was just like, man, he must have just like re-recorded this 10 times and fallen asleep 10 times while he was trying to <laughs> yeah. explain it because yeah, yeah it's it's probably the next chapter is pretty gold i mean if i i kind of he put the pdfs in the audible so even if you do get the audio you can still get the information like printed out because yeah like you said there's there's like 40 attributes where they're like you know for example the weather the stadium the team sure. and just like how he weighs everything and it's definitely a snoozer if you're not a not a gambler, but like if you're kind of mathy, kind of a gambler, like betting sports, it's interesting. I mean, it's cool it to see like what what they're looking at. It is in the at the highest level. Yeah, they, they to your point, like it, it got a little redundant, especially with some of the simplistic stuff. I'm sure it'd be like us trying to describe to you know a a 20 year old like how many cards are in a deck and what they all like mean, how to make a straight, how to make a straight flush. It's like... Yeah, it's kind of like, like when you're at a cocktail party and you tell someone, yeah. they, they inevitably ask you, what do you do for a living? And you're like, poker. <laughs> and they're like, 
ooh, do you count cards? <laughs> and yeah. you're like, damn it, I should have said I'm a fucking, I don't know, insurance salesman or something. I, I used to lie all the time when I first moved here because I didn't, I didn't want to deal with that. Like, I, I've stopped, I guess, but like, yeah, the, I, my go-to was I was an engineer working for Bellagio. Oh. And then they'd be like, oh, sweet, like the fountains? They're like, no, 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 like the AC units. And then they'd be like, oh, might as well just tell someone you're an actuary or something like that. It's like, okay, cool, so we have nothing to talk about. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what the goal is. It makes me think of that. I can't remember which Mission Impossible it is, but uh, but there's a scene where, where Tom Cruise says, you know, he's uh, he works at the DMV studying traffic patterns. <laughs> <laughs> and he just gets like really his eyes light yeah. up and you're like wow I knew he was a good actor but now he's like acting like a good actor <laughs> and these people's eyes are glazing over yeah. right in front of his face I just I love traffic patterns the way uh -huh. you you hit the brakes and then you can see it ripple <laughs> for 20 minutes behind this car and it's amazing everyone's like oh <laughs> yeah so that's a good idea if you don't like telling people what your job is and hearing annoying questions tell them you work but, for the DMV or well, uh, I have engineering background just in case they had engineering questions. I can really have some kind of uh, answer for them. But yeah, the, the main answer was to try to get them off the scent, I guess, a little bit. Because like, especially from North Carolina, I basically have two kinds of people, uh, that, two different kind of reactions when they find out like I'm a poker player. One... People with teeth and people without teeth. <laughs> that's a different... different <laughs> Certain, uh, one half thinks I basically play roulette for a living. Like, they, they ask me, like, all kinds of, like, strategic questions. Like, so in Caribbean stud, like, you know, and get this. Like, what do you do? I was like, that's not what I do. They're like, well, you said you were a professional poker player. This is Caribbean poker. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> or the other side just thinks I'm, like, some, like, uh, autistic uh, savant that just can see through the cards and, like, can just read people like inherently or something like that. And neither are true whatsoever. But now when people ask me uh, about my job, yeah. I tell them I run a great poker game at table one. Do you have any friends who would like to play? <laughs> and I, I have something to talk yeah. about now. Now I don't mind it so much because, uh, you That's know. That's true. And like, in all honesty, we've had what, like a handful of like reach outs and a few people that played the game that have reached out through this uh, content. And they've been great. Like it's been a lot of fun. Like hearing different people's like backgrounds and like stories and wanting to play in like uh, table one or what, whatever it's called now. Like you know. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I never thought that people would want to hear what we have to say, but now that we're doing it, <laughs> yeah. we've uh, we've got a few people that uh, that actually want to want to come and play. One guy who uh, texts me that's playing with us tomorrow. Uh, so yeah, I sent him the link. He's like, "Oh, sweet! I'm gonna watch this on the airplane." You know, I'm like, "Oh, cool, dude! Yeah, I, enjoy. I, you'll feel like you uh, you know us before you get here." <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we uh, sadly we're the same people uh, on the table as off. <laughs> um, yeah. or happily, I don't know. <laughs> I like to think I'm happy. Yeah, I, I try not to dwell on the uh, the sadness too much. I, I am's who I am's. <laughs> By the way, uh, thank you guys for watching. And uh, oh, one more thing oh. before we cut out. Oh no! Uh, I know you guys enjoy this content, but it's not free. Oh. We don't charge you for it, but we ask, we just ask for one thing. We uh, we call it the Degenerates Agreement. <laughs> uh, just whatever platform you're watching on Spotify, YouTube, you know, wherever else, Twitter, Instagram, however you're following us, just just follow us. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the uh, like button and the repost button or whatever Elon Musk is telling us to do these days. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, it really helps us out. So if you want to see more of these, 
Or if you don't, don't say anything, but, but push those buttons. <laughs> we do appreciate it. That's true. And if you, uh, your siblings or, or spouses have accounts, click, click those buttons too. They'll, they'll, they'll like to get it. You're just hoarding yourself out. <laughs> well, right. Buy the gambler of life of risk or whatever it's called. Life at risk. I think Life at risk. Yeah, Thank you. I think that's right. All right. That's the pod. <laughs> Cheers. Me and my buddy, we make it all of this money. Yeah. I know it's rude to be bragging. They never catching a slacking. Me and my buddy, we working hard for this money. Oh, you know I've been in my bag. Buddy, I got it like that. Yeah.